the old PA 14 was essentially the city of Pittsburgh and a little bit of the surrounding suburbs, a little bit of the Monval and the northern edge of the South Hills. Now, PA 18 covers what PA 14 used to cover, including though Plum, Forward, Elizabeth, uh, the Monval, and all of the South Hills. So cool. that's a lot. That's a very red region, and we're looking at we're looking at uh, pulling off an upset here. Meet the pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro. Brought to you by Public Safety and Education and the Trigger Pressers Union. And now your hosts. This episode is brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. The right medical training and gear should be accessible to every American. Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Pressers is sponsored by Next Level Training, Saber Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, ASP, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by other fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you. Hello, this is Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and my esteemed co-host, Clint Macro. I'm glad to have you here today. This is a show where we talk about trigger pressers, people that shoot guns, press triggers, self-defense, pepper spray, all that fun stuff. We do an occasional gear review, uh, political activism, et cetera, et cetera, blow things up. We so do. Clint, we need to blow stuff up more often. <laughs> Clint's going to introduce our guest and take it away, Clint. Well, our special guest today is someone who's uh, stepping up to the plate and running for office here in the in the state of Pennsylvania. And actually, when he wins, he will be my congressman. His name is Luke Negron. He's running for the 18th Congressional District here in Pennsylvania. And Luke, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, gents. Awesome to be here. So, uh, you know, we are very 2A centric here on this show, obviously, with a name like Meet the Pressers, you know, Trigger Pressers. And you have been very open and clear about your stance on the Second Amendment. Could you tell us what the Second Amendment means to you as a law abiding American citizen? Yeah, too easy. I mean, look, so I think there's actually a lot of misunderstanding and kind of um, undervaluing of the Second Amendment, even within the conservative circle. So a lot of people say like, well, it's about like hunting. Shouldn't we be able to provide food? Shouldn't we be able to protect our house from robbers? Shouldn't we be able to go target shooting and have some fun on a sporting day? Yes, all of that is true. And I agree with that. But if you stop the argument there, I would argue that you are missing the, the core of the Second Amendment. The core of the Second Amendment is one final check in place in our great system of checks and balances. Um, our founders were not so naive to believe that we could never become corrupt as a government. They knew that we could, um, as Ronald Reagan, I believe, said, that freedom was only ever one generation away from extinction. The founders knew this. They thought similarly. And so they said, look, if, um, if you know, the executive fails, if the judiciary fails, if the legislature fails, at least our citizens will all be armed. And an armed citizenry does not go silently into tyranny or slavery. That's basically what it's about. So like that is the core message to me, and I would argue from a constitutional and historical perspective of the Second Amendment. Now that said, uh, you know, I'm a former competitive shooter. I love shooting. I'm a military guy. Uh, I love that type of training. I like hunting when I can get out. Um, but that's if you're saying that that's all it's about, 
those arguments to me are are they're kind of like the um the arms, whereas like the core, the body of it is about uh, a citizenry who will not be oppressed. And if we look throughout history, uh, Hitler took all the guns. Mao took all the guns. Look, any tyrannical uh, leader, um, uh, Fidel and Raul Castro first took all the guns. And then some people say, well, wait a second, Luke, you're telling me that an armed citizenry could stand up to a modern military? Like seriously, if a modern military wanted to subjugate you? Yeah. I say, hey, look at a little place called the Middle East. A bunch of guys with pretty much nothing but AK-47s, but yep. you know, technology from the mid '90s, uh, uh, from mid 1900s rather. Um, they have thrown off the subjugation of Russia, the United States, combined Western powers. Why? Because everybody there has an AK-47. Mm-hmm. Everyone there is armed. So sorry, that's a, a bit of a long answer, but there's a lot to it. I think that's it's a nail on the head right there. I mean, as you can see behind me. Though the, the word bear is in the Second Amendment, uh, it, that's not what the founding fathers intended by the word bear in the Second Amendment. And I say that all the time. I say that in my classes and you know, make people understand it's about about tyranny, keeping our government in check. And then that second aspect of it is, is personal protection in that order. Yep. If you look at all of the rights that we enjoy as, as American citizens, you know, talk about the, the freedom of speech. Yeah. One of the fringe benefits of having that freedom is we can make records. We can make love songs. We can sing, sing songs, make movies, you know, re- recite poetry to people that we care mm. about. But that's a fringe benefit. The reason it is yes. there is to keep the government in check. It's right. to you know, right. expose what the government is doing to the citizenry so that they can be educated. So, you know, you could look at all of those, those, uh, those rights that we have that were put in, in place with the Bill of Rights. And there is a righteous reason for that that goes back to keeping the government in check. So I think that's a great point that you make. Yeah. And, and I, ironically, we now see this right being celebrated to a certain extent on the left, where you yep. see a lot of armed protesters and stuff. And, and many of them are, are, are legally armed and they want to have guns for you know, whatever, what they would call their, their self, self-defense and stuff. And as long as they're not, you know, inciting violence with them, which is not allowed, you can't incite violence, but you have a right to be armed. And, and you look around and you say, yeah, okay, if you guys, if you don't like the leadership, why on earth would you tell the government to take everyone's guns? Like, we all have a right to be armed and we all have a right to peaceful protest and to self-defense if, if someone, you know, uh, threatens us or attacks us. Um, so, so this is something that should not be a partisan opinion. I mean, everyone has the right to defend themselves and, and it's really pretty sickening to see people try to make this into a partisan opinion. Yeah. And, and some food for thought too. I've had, um, a student that recently came to me for some private lessons, both, uh, long gun rifle and, and shotgun. And, uh, he, he owns, uh, quite a few restaurants locally. So he's very well off. Uh, he has to keep his long guns at his office down the road from his house. His, he will not get a pistol license because his wife will not let him have any guns in the home. She actually told him, because he said to her, he goes, listen, if somebody breaks in, we need to be able to stop them from, from killing us or, or, or worse. And she said, I would rather be raped and killed than have a gun in my home. And wow. he goes, well, that might just happen if we don't yeah. have a gun in the home. So he's, he's working on it, but he says that she's pretty adamant. And he actually just took, I convinced him. I, you know, I said, grow a pair, buddy. I said, yeah. You know, yes, I, right. I said, uh, grow a pair. And then he actually just took the handgun safety course the other day for me. So he's going to be applying for his pistol license, which, which is good. But I mean, at some point, that's what we're dealing with on the other side. People hate guns that much. They think that guns are evil. Guns are an inanimate object. They're a tool. That's right. Amen. Much, Amen. Much like a lot of our politicians. Well, <laughs> present company excluded. Well, he's not no, a politician. No. 
exactly right. I, and, and I say, you know, especially when we go to the modern, the modern term, the modern definition of politician, I never want to be one of those. Yeah. I Amen. want to be a statesman. I want to be a citizen leader. Yeah. Um, and well, and to, as to, to harken back to your story, man, I got to tell everyone, whether you're a girl or a guy, don't marry one of these lunatics. Like, I don't care if you think <laughs> if you think you're in love, but like, but I hear people say stuff like, does it really matter if our political or religious opinions are different? Yes, it does, because those are influenced by so much else that goes on in life. Yeah. My goodness. I mean, and, and your friend's a perfect ex example. And it, I, what you said about them being inanimate objects. Yeah. I mean, the, the list I always give people, right? Blunt force trauma kills more Americans in violent ways than guns. Um, propane tanks have been used for mass attacks in Western Europe and in the United States. Knives are used in, in countless um, violent attacks and murders. Hammers. Um, no one comes out and is anti-kitchen knife. No one comes out and is anti-building right. things because hammers kill people. Well, hammers are used to kill people, but hammers don't kill people. People choose to use them, and they would choose anything that they can get their hands on. So th yeah. this demonization of, of firearms is is so stupid. You well, know, if, if government were to uh, pass a law banning gravity, then so <laughs> many people would, or so many lives would be saved by falling. You know that type of thing as well. So I want to get I want to get both your guys' take on this because yeah. exactly what you said is what I say to people when when I'm in that conversation, and I've had people turn around and say to me, and I really haven't had a, an answer to it, but people say, well, yeah, all those items are used for something other than killing people, where a gun is only used for killing somebody, and I'm like, I mean, you know, at absolutely some point not, absolutely well, not. I carry a gun so, every day, and it's never killed anyone. But I will use it to defend my child and but, defend my family. Yeah. But so, what they're you know, getting, the intention the they're context. getting at, the intention they're getting at is that it, it, the purpose of it is to use it for defense, which would be well, not really. If you look at the CDC's information that they was suppressed by the Obama administration, there are countless, countless accounts of where law-abiding citizens simply produced a firearm and that de-escalated the situation because most. Mm garden variety criminals, if there is such a thing, Don't would rather shot. leave with the same amount of holes that they had when they showed up. Very and you know, right. that's something that we can't discount. There that's are many point. Americans that are alive just because they were armed and they didn't even have to press the trigger on that. Yeah. So focusing yeah. on the concept of, of having it, like we always talk to our students about having it um, and not needing it is better than needing it and not having it. And then if you have, to pull, you have to pull it out and it thwarts the effort then, and you don't use it, then that's a win. Even better, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So as we as we battle a lot of the disinformation and a lot of the, the brainwashing and program that has taken place over the last, you know, however many years it's been where people have learned to demonize the firearm. We also have to fight legislation and we have to fight those in elected position who want to take away our rights or take away our means to exercise those rights. And if you look at Biden's current plan on gun safety, which, quite frankly, I'm I'm very I'm, I'm very most recently shoot him in the leg. Did, is yeah. that, that's his plan. Shoot yeah. Him in the leg. So, so your opponent is, has been, I just watched the debate that you had with your opponent and he was pretty much reading right off of the Joe Biden checklist. Do you have anything to say about, about that? I mean, the number one thing is this, it sickens me when people try to speak to policy, make policy and pretend to be experts on something that they clearly know nothing about. No clue. So, and that, that's a standard I have across the board, right? I talked to this a lot about a social media and modern technologies. We've got a lot of reps who try to make social media policy. They clearly know nothing about it. Similarly, same deal with firearms. Uh, you can go no, no further than my debate against Representative Mike Doyle, where he says, 
Um, there's no reason anyone should own a weapon that can shoot 30, 40, or 50 times in several minutes. And I said, Mike, you can shoot 30, 40, or 50 times in several minutes with a bolt action rifle. Like you clearly don't know what you're talking about. You're trying to make it sound like this big, scary assault weapon. And and literally anything fits the definition that you just gave. And that's just one example of We also have people on the record saying things like fully semi-automatic weapons should be banned. And you're like, that's not a thing. You, you don't know what on. you're talking about. Is, is that's hilarious. Does your shirt say fully semi-automatic? Because that'd be hilarious. So we came up, <laughs> we've got some of our merch for the show and uh, and we came up with an idea. It's got a Daisy Red Rider BB gun and it says, I love my fully semi-automatic assault rifle. And then it's got, yeah. don't shoot your eye out. I, but it's like, you, you cannot hope to make policy about something that you clearly know zero about. And then you've got Joe Biden, right? Talking about AR-14s, which do not exist. Joe Biden saying that there's no reason that a, a weapon should have hundreds of magazines in at a time. That's no weapons do have hundreds of magazines <laughs> in at a time. Like all of this exemplifies again and again. And those are just off the top of my head. If I, if you gave me 30 seconds in Google, I could pull up more quotes from, from these fools who don't know what they're talking about. And yet they want to personally benefit from their private security paid for yeah. with your tax dollars, yep. their safe communities uh, where they live at, as elitists and take away your guns. And that's just, that's outrageous. They've got a bill uh, that I met with this, the Senator's office last June, and uh, they want to ban anything 50 caliber or larger in New York state. Get this, because you, if you shoot an animal with a 50 caliber round, it's going to destroy the meat. Nobody needs to have a 50 caliber, anything bigger than 50 caliber. And then you bring it up to them that, well, black powders are 50. Well, we can't have black powders. It's 58. Ca are you kidding me? It's like, you do know it's going to take a long time to load, load that to do carry out a mass assault. Right. <laughs> right. But, but, and it's one has never been used. Even a 50 BMG has never been used in a, in a, you know, in a active killer event. Uh, but mm -hmm. you know, Hey, but we got to stop it just in case it, but, oh, boy, it sounds good. It oh, sounds good to yeah. the market, to the uneducated yeah. marketer. Yeah. Yeah, we don't need something that big. Ban it, ban it. You know, or or that we've all seen, right? Like mm -hmm. the the ceram or the, the the black matte black painted guns, yeah. and then an identical gun that functions the same exact way, same length of barrel, right? Same receiver, um, the same rate of fire, and just because one has a wood stock and one has a matte black stock, people in in polls, like people find the black one that should be banned, and the other one is the same exact gun, and they say, no, that one's fine. It's like, yeah. okay, so we're, we're not actually talking about safety here. We're not talking about functionality. We're not talking about safety. We're talking about marketing and scoring political points. That's all it is. Yeah, and there's two problems with that. One, a lot of gun owners will see that and scoff at it and say, these people are morons. These people don't know what they're talking about, but that's where it ends. But we have to understand, even if they are morons, they are still seeking to limit or restrict our own individual rights, and that can't be stood for. So you know, yeah. taking the opportunity to, to visit with these legislators, uh, to talk to them, you know, try to educate them first. That's one of our missions with FOAC, Firearms Owners Against Crime. We try to educate the people first, you know, the people in office. And a lot of times they're like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. And then we start to see a shift and they start looking towards the light of liberty. But if they, if they, if they say, no, we don't want to hear that, then we know that's a person that needs to be ousted. So we have to do our level best to get them out of office. I love it. Yeah. Agreed. So I was looking a little bit on your website and uh, Air Force. That's right. And, and what's uh, what's your I forget what's a specialty. Is that what it's called in the Air Force? In the Army, it's MOS. It's yes, right. So I, I think Army and Marines are both MOS, right? Air Force, we've got to be different. AFSC. 
Um, I, Air Force something code. Uh, I don't even know what the acronym is. Uh, too many acronyms. Too many acronyms. Um, but, yes. uh, but yeah, it is uh, called a 1U. Uh, it's the sensor operator, the, the right, right seat position for the uh, MQ-9 Reaper. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good uh, life. Great community. Yeah, they're a, a pretty neat beast. We, we toured the 174th. I used to be the uh, commander, uh, deputy group commander, and then squadron commander for the Civil Air Patrol locally. And Heck yeah. we, we did a lot of 170, a lot of stuff at 174th. Our group headquarters is actually at the 174th. So we did a lot of tours and did a lot of fun stuff with them. And I actually flew uh, the Cessnas 182, 172s, and we did uh, reconnaissance, and we also did uh, drug enforcement and different other different yeah. things. So a lot of the stuff with the 174th. No, that's great. My brother was uh, was in in uh, Cappy. He did Civil Air Patrol I, I, through high school. Yeah. I opted to do Boy Scouts. Looking back, I kind of wish I had done Civil Air Patrol yeah. instead. But uh, but it was it was good to him. And then he actually trained in the Cessnas too in his uh, his flight school. So so I'm familiar with with a lot of that that stuff and that community. It's it's uh, a solid path to take for sure. I miss getting oh. up. So you're you're definitely one of the younger people in the pool that's uh, running for office uh, during this election. Perhaps maybe the youngest. Is that fair to say? Um, locally, perhaps yeah. in Pennsylvania. As far as far as I know, in Pennsylvania, I am indeed the youngest nominee for either a state or federal position. Um, nationally, I'm actually not even close. Uh, there um, there are people who that Madison Cawthorn, for example, I, I believe was 24. Uh, he might still be 24. And yet he, but he will have turned 25 by the time he's elected or sworn in, which makes him a, a legal option. Um, so, so he's, he's a lot younger. I believe um, Alex Garlados, another Air Force veteran, he's actually the guy who helped to stop that uh, terrorist attack in, in France um, out, out on the West Coast. He's in, uh, in Washington or Oregon. He, I think he's younger than me. Kim Klasik is around my age. Um, and uh, I think there are a few others who are a bit younger. Well, what was the, the, uh, the steps that led you to saying, yes, I want to run for this position. What, what led you to this uh, decision? Yeah. So the, there's like a, a long-term answer, which is ultimately 9-11. Um, the long-term answer is I was eight years old when 9-11 happened. And 9-11 is, is a, it's a kind of like a flashpoint to, to use a, a gun term, I guess, in, in my life where I went from everything before 9-11 was exclusively the memories of a child. And everything after 9-11 in a day had ushered in very adult topics, um, global warfare, right? Politics, um, Islam, Christianity, competing world religions, the fact that it matters who our leaders are. All of these things were brought into my life in a day. And, and literally, the news cycle has not stopped with, with those being uh, in the spotlight since then. Um, and of course, you know, we've been at war since then, literally since, since uh, a couple months after 9-11, 2001. So... So that is the long-term answer that got me involved and educated and energized and passionate about social and political leadership. I took that through high school, uh, participated in debate teams, always kept up with politics. Nice. I was raised really listening to a lot of talk radio and stuff. So, so that was good stuff. That, that was, that's kind of the, the foundation for me. Then I went to Grove City College, studied poli-sci, studied national security, communications, joined the Air Force. All of that, again, fed into my understanding and my value for, okay, as a military guy, now I see even more so why our leadership matters, how decisions and policies affect me and my brothers and sisters. And then, um, and then after that, in the short-term sense, so this is the second answer, seeing someone like AOC, uh, 
Ilhan Omar, Greta Thunberg, Rashida Tlaib, uh, very dangerous, uh, very, very deceptive. And um, I would even say leaders who hate America, who hate Americanism. And yet I can dislike them all I want. But at the end of the day, I'm talking about them all the time around the kitchen table and their household names and they're influencing my generation and the next generation. So I realized a couple months back, I, me and a, a buddy who's now uh, in the army, actually, um, we were talking and I realized like, this is my passion. I believe this is a skill given to me by God. And what am I doing here and now? I always had my ideas for the future, but I think that it has to happen here and it has to happen now. And we need young leaders who love the United States to rise up today and to answer these threats from internal that, that we're seeing from, from the left side of the aisle. That's great. Very well said. Yeah, very well said. 9-11 was a, was a, a life changer for most of us. And yeah. uh, one of the things I say, I always say this is it is kind of a negative because it, it actually is, is we now have a voting block that does not know life pre 9-11. We have folks that are That's voting right. in this, this election right here, and they've lived their whole lives thinking that, you know, the restriction and limitation of their rights was acceptable, you know, growing up in a Patriot Act world. Yeah, I was just going to say Patriot Act. I, I felt like that's what you were going. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. glad to see you stepping up. And I know that you will influence uh, more of your generation than maybe I could. And, you know, speaking the truth and talking about liberty is something that I, I really am glad to hear you say. And it's one of the reasons I'm, I'm definitely supporting you in this election. The First Amendment is about free speech. And that applies to the printing presses, which weren't implemented at the time. It applies to things I write on Facebook. It applies to uh, to newspapers that are distributed at a level that they were not distributed back then. Um, and similarly, the Second Amendment applies to uh, to the way that our, our weapons have, have evolved. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't say that it stops with muskets, which is, again, another really dumb argument I've heard from the left. Yeah, I actually wrote an article that was on Gun Owners of America's website, and you can see it on my own on the library page on Trigger Presses Union called, uh, oh, what was it called? It was called <laughs> Underestimating Underestimating the Founding Fathers. And, you know, so many of those guys were inventors. You yes, know, yes. Yeah. And I went on to talk about, like, technologies. The First Amendment does protect making records. It, you know, it yep. protects, uh, you know, people gathering and speaking their mind, right? But the uh, Second Amendment just being about muskets and stuff. Well, that's that's crazy because at the time there was like repeating guns. I mean, there were, yeah, there were different right. technology at the time. And even from the religious aspect of it, like Mormonism wasn't around then. But don't you mm -hmm. think Mormonism should be protected just as much as Catholicism or or being Muslim or whatever? Right. So right on. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool article. You guys can probably check that out. Nice. Good plug. A good point. Yeah, well, you know, I, I do yeah. what I can, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, think, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Luke. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say another point I love to bring up when people say hit me with the garbage about, you know, muskets were the, the weapon of the time. So that means that that's what we're we have protected under the Second Amendment. Um, muskets were the, the primary weapon of a professional infantryman of the time. So if you want to start playing this like, well, uh, the weapon of the time game, I would push back and say, Okay, so let's look at what a professional infantryman standardly was and was equipped with at the time. That's a musket and maybe a flintlock pistol. So then what are professional infantrymen equipped with today? Oh, things like M4s and AR AR-15s, right? So if that's the standard, if we're going to go there, then again, we should still be allowed to own these things that they're trying to ban. So, so I mean, to, to say that, but to say that it only applies to muskets is nowhere in the text and, and it makes no logical sense. 
Well, the bottom line is when when legislators through through executive fiat or laws or whatever, when they restrict the rights and liberties of law abiding citizens, all they do is they empower the criminals that pay no damn attention to the law. And that's, right. and that's, that's it. So so, Luke, yeah. I'm, I'm loving everything you're saying. And and unfortunately, we're all preaching to the choir because the major majority of our listeners are pro, which is good, good for votes and stuff. What, what are you going to do behind the scenes when you get in there? What can you do? Do you have a game plan? Do you have a thought process on what you can do to chart, start making those wheels turn in the other direction or the pendulum start to swing the other way when it comes to all these? Because I, I go down to Albany, I meet with these politicians that are putting these bills in place. And I tell my students by the droves, by the thousands, you need to vote for good people. Look at what they yeah. say and what they do, not just what yeah. they say. Look at what they do and how they voted in the past. And that's, that's where you want to navigate to. And they're still getting in there and they're still passing these laws. So what, what's your game plan as far as to be, beat back that once you get elected? Because you're getting elected. Yeah. Yeah, brother. I, I mean, I, I agree. And so that, that comes to kind of the, the number one policy that I think uh, that I think I will be able to support and to get done. And that is term limits, term limits for for uh, the U.S. House and the Senate. So for all of American Congress. And I believe that that will actually help to solve a lot of the problems you just talked about, because what we see is um, politicians on both sides of the aisle, and specifically, I'll talk about Republicans here, because they're the real disappointing ones, right? We expect Democrats to be to do their crazy things. But when we have a movement like the Tea Party that elects all Republicans, and then these Republicans get into power and do nothing for the people mm-hmm. who went to bat for them, yeah. it's so disheartening. Right. And what happens, though, is, is like I, I like to get behind the scenes and say, like, OK, so why did this happen? This happened because these people get into power. They start uh, you know, rubbing shoulders. They start making their money. They start making connections and they don't want to let that life go. They hold on to it with a clenched fist and they say, whatever it takes for me to hold on to this and to be a career incumbent, a career politician um, and term limits make that possible. Then they can leverage their influence and their position of power to sell out their citizenry to not rock the boat too much, right? None of them want to take a hard stance or pro-life or pro-gun or any, they don't want to do anything too drastic because then what might happen? They might upset somebody, some powerful people in their district or around the country who then fund opposition for them or who then come up and rise up and run someone against them. And they'd rather not deal with all that smoke, right? They, they, they don't want to, they don't want to take on those challengers because a lot of these people are, are spineless. They're, they're, they're cowards. Yeah. And so what would term limits do to solve this? Term limits would say, now, wait a second, you can't be here for the rest of your career. You can't be here for more than, let's say, six years. So if all of a sudden now I'm a spineless Republican, but I also do realize I can't be here for more than six years. So maybe I might be more inclined now to actually stand on a little bit of principle and to actually rock the boat a little bit and to actually keep my promises because I'm going to get voted out where I'm going to be term limited in a couple of years anyway. So I think that they enable a, a lot of that to happen. And they also bring in a lot of our, our young blood, our new ideas that we see rising up in the conservative move, movement. Some of those names I talked about, Madison Cawthorn, Kim Klasik, these are people who aren't scared of the status quo. They're not scared uh, of um, politics uh, from the 90s. They want to do this uh, the American way. They want to fight. They want to grind it out. And, uh, and that's what we need more of. And those are people I'm excited to work with. And I'm also excited to to rally support from the culture for term limits, because that's what it has to be. It has to be a cultural movement, because to get these fools to vote themselves out of a job is going to be a a heck of a thing. But if we can get people to pressure their reps, that's how it can get done. 
And I think, you know, I think that's, that's, that's phenomenal that you say that and the way you, you, you played it out. And that's true. That's the, the root to all of it. It was never meant to be a position like that. It was, it was honorable to go in, do, do some time and then get out, not stay in it for 48 years, like Joe Biden. Um, <laughs> the, the goal is to get in, make a little change, go back to your life as a farmer, as an inventor, whatever. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, we, and we see that we see where they, they did that over over centuries, and then we started getting politicians that started running multiple times and then the presidency obviously was term limited because of that, because we, yeah. we saw that happening. Well, unfortunately, a lot of a lot of elected officials are only concerned with becoming a reelected official. Yeah. And I mm. think that is the answer to the question right there, you know, that type of mindset perpetuates this just ongoing, ongoing thing where you have people like Joe Biden, who's been in office for, you know, almost five decades, and now he's going to fix everything. But like, what did you do? What, you know, the last 50 years, just damn near. So yeah, I, I really believe that that is a good answer. Now, you know, there's some nuance to that. And it would take, it, it might take something to transition that, like the old guard into the new guard. But I think when you look at like Pennsylvania politics here, where a lot of the crazy, goofy laws that have come into place happened after they became full time. You know, mm -hmm. the legislature mm -hmm. here only met like a couple months a year. And then when it went full time, that's when they needed to justify their existence by just legislating yes. legislation that legislates legislation. Yeah. And you can see how that's happened on the national stage. So I definitely think you're right. That would be, you know, setting those term limits would kind of make people step up and, and you know, they know they have a limited time. So they're going to do what they believe and stand on their principles. I think that's great. And one something yeah. that both of you said, uh, Clint, you're saying that they, you know, they're throwing legislation, legislation, creating bills, creating bills. And and, and Luke, your thought process of uh, uh, of it being limited, so now they know they're going to get termed out. Well, to me, that means they're going to prioritize, right? They're going to look at what's yeah. the most important things. Let me focus on these bills that I want to get turned into law versus just throwing everything at it, so they can say, oh, look at all these, you know, look at all this that I did. It's more so just like, well, these are the main focuses that I had and that I got, I got passed. So I, I yeah. think it'll cut down on a lot of that excessive, just creating bills and turning them into law just to do so. And I got it. Like you guys said, preaching to the choir, but I got to throw out a, a little nugget uh, about my, my opponent, Mike Doyle here for anyone listening in the 18th congressional district or anywhere in, in Western PA, really. This guy has been around in office for almost three decades for 26 years. Mm -hmm. He has never authored been the lead sponsor on a bill that passed in those in all of those years he's wow. never been the lead sponsor or been the author on a passing bill so essentially he's voted on other people's bills and out of other people's bills i believe he's only passed been on four that passed so mm -hmm. he's never brought any of his ideas to change america or to improve america and he's only been part in change i believe it's four times 15 pages of legislation in 26 years. So you're talking about prioritizing. Yeah, it's like he's he has literally not done anything. He hasn't prioritized anything. And then the other thing is, uh, so jump, jumping back to the, the nature of that first question, what else would I like to do? Um, I'm working on a bill that that I, I'm already, look, I'm believing that that we're gonna get a win, that this is gonna be a national upset. It, it's something that God has, has brought, brought me and my team to. And so yeah. I'm working on a bill that is, uh, I'm working on the name, something like, to save America or revitalizing America. And it's got a lot of initiatives, I think the flagship of which will be term limits, uh, but a lot of them that are pretty bipartisan. So um, another one is something called a single topic rule or a single topic law. Actually, the PA state legislature has this. Mm. And um, it's simply the idea that pork 
in a bill is illegal. And for anyone who doesn't know what pork is, mm. it's like, let's say that I make a bill about railroads and somewhere on page, literally some of these bills are like 800 pages long. So on page number 500, I, in my railroad bill, have funding for abortion. And so, so and people are like, wait a second, your bill is, is called like the American Railroad Act and everything else is about railroads. Why are we funding abortion on page 500? What does that have to do with this? That is legal right now. That is allowed in the federal con in the federal uh, house, in the U.S. house. It's not allowed in the PA state house. They have what's called a single topic rule where you can only address one topic at a time. It's common sense. Yeah. I think that both sides of the aisle have been guilty of trying to slip in pork, yep. the, mm -hmm. this like sneaky funding. Most note, noteworthy are the Democrats. Uh, recently, I believe it was in the HEROES Act. They tried to get abortion funding in a bill to relieve COVID. And they also tried to get airline emissions regulation in a bill about COVID relief. It's like, why, why do we have green initiatives in a COVID relief? If right. you want to tackle that, tackle it another day. Right now we're handling COVID. Um, yeah. So part of the reason why the, one. that's part of the reason why the, I think the president had an issue with it. Right. And it kind of was going back and forth. It was because of the, that's right. the green stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, then, that, yep. the, the media will say then that in this case, when you're talking about the COVID bill, the Republicans are blocking this yeah. money for all the COVID. Well, it's because of these, the pork. Right. That there's yeah. problems, right? right? Yeah. And this Luke, is those... a marketing game that they play, right? They name it something great, like the mm -hmm. Heroes Act. Oh, who yeah. who would ever vote against the Heroes Act? Well, let's look at what the Heroes Act has in it. Yeah. That that's the standard. You should call yours the Duckies and Bunnies and Kitty Cats Act. <laughs> right, no right, one right, will exactly. vote against that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Luke, those those two uh those two initiatives definitely sound like everything the 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 government or I should say everything the the of the people we the people have yeah. wanted right term limits and then all this pork that's hidden inside these these bills is ridiculous it makes sense to have a, a single topic bill and, and yeah. I and I uh, I look forward to seeing what you can do in there and definitely reach back out to us let us know if there's anything we can do to help get the word out and you know push an initiative because I think those those two things you hit the nail on the head man those, those two things right there are the things that really if those get reined in I think that some big changes can happen in uh in government so Heck yeah we're just a few days from the election. So uh, what can people do with just a few days till it's time to go out and vote on November 3rd? What's some things they can do to help help you to succeed in this election? Man, the, the big one is word of mouth. Word of mouth is more powerful than anything. Um, so, you know, if, if I were to reach 10 of your friends and they heard me, they might like me or and they might give me the time of day or they might just brush me off because I'm some random guy. But if you were to reach those same exact 10 friends and say, hey, I know this guy, or it doesn't have to be me. I know another local politician, another local leader. Um, and you were to advise them to support this person. Now it's coming from a source that they trust. This is just human psychology, like 101. It's how it works. This is what every marketer tries to achieve. Um, so, so word of mouth, uh, it, find candidates who you believe in, find people with proven track records, find people who you can trust and uh, have their back, spread the word. And literally, like if it's as simple as sit down, take 10 minutes, write down 10 names and then copy and paste the text that says, here's a great candidate named Joe Schmo. Um, check out his website. In this case, negron2020.com. There's a plug. Um, <laughs> right. And uh, check out his website. I think that this guy or this girl is great. And then you're done. It's literally like 10 minutes. Find 10 people who you think you can contact. That is so powerful. So that that's what I'd go to. Awesome.
Well, all of you in the 18th district or anyone in Western Pennsylvania that knows someone in the 18th congressional district, do that very thing. And let's see if we can get a few extra people out to the polls to uh, help put Luke Negron into office. Spread the word. Yeah, most certainly. I, I do want to dovetail and wrap up one other thought. You know, uh, we didn't talk about Doyle too much. I'm always a fan of just selling the positive and not talking about the negative or or like what's wrong with the other guy. But when you were talking about how he didn't, he, he hadn't passed any legislation, uh, I think that's very telling. I have sent him multiple, multiple letters as a, as a constituent, as a citizen. And, you know, most of those letters were around a Second Amendment issue. But even as the president of Allegheny County Sportsman's League, even as the second vice president of Firearms Owners Against Crime, when I would communicate with him, I get the same photocopied letter every time, like for years. Yeah. And that, to me, that's just, he's not even being creative in how he uh, steps all over my rights. He's just yeah. easy enough to just send me a photocopy. So if that's how he treats me for that issue, how is he treating the rest of his constituents? That's right. I agree. And it's because he thinks he's safe. And from a political strategic standpoint, I love that. Let him feel like he's safe. Right. I think Sun Tzu in his book, The Art of War, talks a lot about this. When your opposition thinks that they're safe, when they think that they're free to rest, that's when you strike. That's when we're taking uh, this district uh, back from him and for, for the people, for Americanism. Well, Luke, we wish you all the best. And when you are in office, please feel free to reach out to us if you need any advice on anything when it comes to guns or training. Uh, but we uh, will we'll all say a prayer that, that God will help lead you into office and do the right thing for, for uh, Pennsylvanians. Thank you for your time. Amen. Thank you, guys. Hello, my name is Clint Macro. I wanted to take this opportunity to congratulate all you new gun owners on choosing to exercise our most basic human right. That's the right to defend ourselves and those that we love. As our country slips into unrest and violence, more and more Americans are recognizing that when seconds count, police are minutes away and you are your own family first responder. Our Second Amendment empowers us and it guarantees that the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed by our government. Even though we have this assurance, our Second Amendment is under constant assault. Conflict avoidance is the cornerstone of any defensive strategy. We must take proactive measures in our lives to make ourselves less attracted to criminals and make smart decisions about our safety. If we're able to collect and process information, we are likely to have more options and we might be able to avoid conflict altogether. Many instructors teach techniques that are geared towards retaining control of a firearm if ever we're in close proximity to a violent criminal. Firearm retention is a huge consideration. One aspect of a personal defense strategy that many overlook is that we must also retain our firearms from the attacks of gun-grabbing politicians and elected officials that would seek to take away our tools of self-defense. There are many in all branches of government at the local, state, and federal level who are well-organized and well-funded that are actively trying to dismantle our Second Amendment and take away your rights and your ability to protect yourself and your precious family. A gun safe will not keep your gun safe from a gun-grabbing elected official. How can we as our own family first responders protect our loved ones if we are unable to be armed? Whether disarming occurs through 
physical or financial restrictions, limitations, mandatory buybacks or confiscations, if you are unable to have the means to defend yourself because of the policies of elected officials, do you believe that the elected officials responsible for disarming you will take on the responsibility to protect you? If the citizens are restricted, would you be okay with the government and the criminals being unrestricted? Do you believe that the government can and will protect you from violent criminals? I'm guessing that you don't. That's why you just bought that new firearm. No matter your party affiliation or the lack thereof, do you really think it's a good idea that only government should have unrestricted access to firearms? Do you really believe that government will protect you from the government? If our Second Amendment is compromised, we will have little power to stop those in government who are seeking to disarm us from infringing upon our other rights. If we the people can no longer defend our liberty, we are doomed to lose it. History is rife with examples to support that statement. In firearms training, it is said that accuracy is a yes or no proposition. You either hit your target or you did not hit your target. Well, liberty is a yes or no proposition too. You are either for the individual rights of American citizens or you are not. If an elected or appointed official, politician, staffer, pundit, or advocate endorses the limitation of the individual rights of any law-abiding American citizen or the confiscation of a citizen's personal property, namely their tool of self-defense, then that person should be considered a threat to your liberty and your personal safety. In defensive training, we teach that if we're aware of our surroundings and the people in our vicinity, it is prudent to prejudge those people. If we believe a person to be a potential threat, we must take steps to distance ourselves from that individual and set thresholds where we can actively take steps to retreat, avoid, or de-escalate. But if that potential threat turns out and we believe that person to be an actual threat, then we must respond appropriately. Unfortunately, when it comes to gun-grabbing elected officials and candidates, it is impossible to avoid them. Burying our heads in the sand will do nothing to fend off the attacks of anti-gun politicians who seek to disarm you. Therefore, it is prudent to prejudge those who represent us and those who wish to represent us and vote accordingly. Do your representatives seek to empower you or do they seek to restrict you? As we approach this and any future election, it is vitally important that we prejudge and vet the individual candidate. The light of liberty should not be exclusive to any one party. Vote only for those candidates who will protect your liberty and empower you to defend yourselves and those that you love. If a candidate stands on a platform that will limit, restrict, or abolish your rights or take away your means to exercise your rights, then that person should be viewed upon as a threat to your liberty and your personal safety. An educated and armed citizenry is our ultimate check and balance in this constitutional republic and our true homeland security. We are blessed to have liberties and rights available to us. No matter who you are or what you are about, you have these rights and liberties because you are an American. Exercise, cherish, and protect those rights because they are the foundation of your own 
personal protection strategy. There's lots of sponsors that make this show possible, like Mountain Man Medical. Check them out and give them your business. This episode is brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. The right medical training and gear should be accessible to every American. Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Pressers is sponsored by Next Level Training, Saber Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, ASP, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by other fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you. Thanks for watching or listening to our show. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share, click that little bell thingy so you know when the next episode's uploaded. Support us on Patreon. Come to one of our classes. Host us to come to you and do one of our classes at your location. And until next time, adieu. Thank you for watching Meet the Pressers.